I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. This week, we are talking about Three Men and a Baby, another Touchstone film, a film that uh, I probably should not have watched this as a kid, but I did because it was on cable and I was pretty much watching whatever was on cable at the time. Yeah, I mean, I think I finally watched this when I was like maybe 14 or something. I don't know. That was about the right age, PG-13 movies. Yeah. But, yeah, I saw this as a wee one watching this. With What year does this come out? 1987. So, yeah, I was, like, six years old, seven years old when I originally did watch this. Probably should not have watched this movie, especially this this movie has a lot of adult adult situations adult conversations there's no major language issues there's no obscene scenes but it's three grown men who are bachelors who often talk about the numerous women they bed and oops here's a baby yeah one thing okay before we really get into it okay you have our three leads and i want to talk about that real quick so we have tom Selleck, ted danson steve gutenberg right also known as tom Selleck, ted danson and the other guy magnum pi the guy from cheers and the guy from police academy which i have never seen so growing up it was that movie with tom Selleck, ted danson and the other guy and 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 i want to say this because you have in this movie tom Selleck, womanizer i can believe that Ted Danson, womanizer. I can believe that. This movie doesn't even believe Steve Gutenberg can be a womanizer. Yeah, he's he's kind of the schlub that that like every time he tries to get with a woman, he ends up like every time Being he tries the, to get every time he tries to get with a woman, he ends up repairing her previous relationship. <laughs> Yeah, he's he, there's a scene where he has a woman in his bed and then he's all of a sudden her therapist. Yeah. Like I I do find that funny is that no one could see Steve Gutenberg as a womanizer. Just I just find that hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, Three Men and a Baby based on uh one thing I did not know, this is based off a French film. Uh, of a similar title, uh, translates to Three Men in a Cradle. I have not seen that movie, but if it's a similar vibe, eh, sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is full-on 80s movie. A product, it's, it's, it's one of those 80s movies that's a product of its time, because there's a lot of references that just do not age especially like the party at the beginning where steve gutenberg is doing a robin leach impression and doing lifestyles of the rich and famous like how many people that are not millennials or gen x would even get that reference yeah i mean i grew up watching that show Mm -hmm. i don't know if you did i did but you know, so, I mean, I got it, but, yeah, I think if you showed it to somebody today, like, I think you showed it to, like, Gen Z or something, mm-hmm. they'd be like, what is this? Why is he doing a bad British accent? What's he doing? What's he filming? It's like, oh, okay, it's, it was a reference to an old TV show that was airing at the time. It was hosted by a British guy, and he would go to rich people's house and say, look how fabulous these rich people live compared to the schlubby apartment you're living in. And also, like, you can't even, 
look at Gen Z and be like, you know, it's kind of like MTV Cribs, because that's now like a really old reference. Yeah, yeah. Even MTV Cribs is an old, it's at least 20, 30 years old. Yeah, like I said, you know, we have three three actors who were kind of well-known names at the time for what I said, you know, Magnum P.I. was like the show. Cheers was like the show. Police Academy was Police Academy. And what's so funny is two of these three still working and still big stars today. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what happened to Steve (laughs) Gutenberg. So, and I mean, let's get this one right off the bat here. We mentioned right before we started recording, uh, this movie has a bit of a controversy, or at least an urban legend tied to it. So there's a scene in the movie where Ted Danson and his uh, his character's mother are with the baby. And in the background of a scene, you can see the shape of a person. Now, there's an urban legend that believes that this is a person that ended their life on in the house that they're filming in. And this is their ghost or someone that. Yeah. Um, there's just one problem with this so-called urban legend. Uh, they didn't actually film in any houses or homes or apartments for this movie. It was all on sound stages. And the shape of the person that you see in that scene is actually a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. Uh, there's a deleted scene. Uh, as Ted Danson's character is an actor. He did several TV commercials and the cardboard stand-up was supposed to be an advertisement for one of the commercials that he was in. And yeah, it doesn't make sense to have it in the movie anymore because that scene got cut, but it's still there. Yeah. And you can see it like you can see the stand up very clearly at the end of the movie. Um, when Sylvia shows up, mm-hmm. Because uh, Ted Danson and Sylvia and the baby are standing like directly in front of the cutout. And it's right at the same window that you see the the figure Mm. um, earlier in the movie. Like it's in the exact same spot in the apartment. So. Yeah, I mean. If you if you compare the frames you can tell that it's the exact same thing but you know we grew up hearing this urban legend i know i did it's Um, still one of those urban legends that people talk about today like the hanging munchkin in the wizard of oz yeah no matter how many times the urban legend gets rebunked it just comes back every couple of years like like I mentioned, this is like the 80s of movies, the the 80s of 80s movies, because our director is, like I said, we have the guy from Magnum P.I. We have the guy from Cheers. We have the guy from Police Academy. And it's directed by the guy from Star Trek, Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock himself. Yeah, and I had forgotten about that. So when I was watching the credits, I was like, oh, right. And it's not like it's not a badly directed movie. It's actually really good. He's a really good director. Yeah, I mean, you know, remember he he directed two of the the Star Trek films. Mm. He had already directed those before he directed this. Mm. So it's uh he wasn't like really known as a director but he was you know it wasn't his main thing he did but you know he was pretty good at it man's a triple threat actor director singer writer yeah he he wrote some books and photographer as well yeah um if you've if you've never seen his photography that's some interesting stuff he was known he, he had a thing where he 
took pictures of uh, women of size. Ah, that was that was his his thing. He he put out uh, at least one really interesting uh, photography book where he he took pictures of plus size women. And it's really beautiful photography. Um, so, yeah, um, really great stuff. Go look it up. So let's get into the plot of this movie. We have our three roommates, our three men. We have Tom Selleck as Peter, who is an architect. Ted Danson as Jack, who is an actor. And Steve Gutenberg as Michael, who is a uh, comic artist. Uh, it doesn't come. I mean, he uh, he is shown to be the artist on a comic called Johnny Cool, which is popular enough to have merchandise as he as there are a few times in the movie. He is playing with a Johnny Cool puppet. Yeah, and there's lots of merchandise in his bedroom. That he's we very, see he's very we never see any of the comic strips. All we know is that he writes them. He has an editor that he has to uh, pass these comics by, but we never see much of it. And it's not really important to the story, so I don't blame them on not doing it. Just like we don't see any of um, any of uh, Jack's commercials, which, like I said, was originally a scene that they got cut. Yeah, the... Um... The thing is, is that we do see uh, the woman that we mentioned before that was in his bedroom. She is looking at some of the comic strips. We can't see what they say, you know. Mm. Um, and then later, when he's watching the baby, we do see him working on one of the strips, drawing one of the strips. Um, and we do know that it's a syndicated strip in newspapers Mm. that's kind of what we know about his comic um so it seems to be like a kind of garfield calvin and hobbs kind of thing you know it's a it's a thing you read in the in the sunday paper kind of thing yeah back when you could still do that yeah now it's all online yeah um but yeah, they their respective art is. I mean, his art. He also does these murals all over the floor of the building they live on, and it's assumed that the entire floor is theirs because yes, there's a plaque that says he did the mural, but there's also another plaque in the building that implies that uh, Tom Selleck's Peter designed the building that they're living in. Yeah, it seems to be like that they might have the penthouse of the building that they're in Mm. and that they share it because um, that is a hell of an apartment for New York. Especially if you haven't, again, the 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 1980s. the 1980s uh, income of an architect, a comic strip writer, and a struggling actor. Probably well, together. Well, the thing is, is that it seems like the comic strip is doing well. Like, he's got merchandising deals and stuff, so that's got to be pulling him in some money. Mm-hmm. Okay, the 80s were, like, the height of comic strips in newspapers. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's he's got some money and um, Tom Selleck is designing skyscrapers. So I think he's pulling in some money. He seems to be like a really together architect. And when Ted Danson says he can't afford the rent that month, Tom Selleck is not worried about it. Like at all. He's like, you know, go to Turkey and do your movie. It's fine. I'm I'm not worried about the rent. So I have a feeling, you know, like they're living in a pretty decent neighborhood 
from what we see on the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not living on Central Park or anything, but, like, they're living in a decent neighborhood. They have, like, an apartment with a doorman and stuff. Um, they have, like, a, um, like, a secretary that comes in. You know, and, mm-hmm. like, brings their mail and stuff. Um, that apartment is really big. And given what happens at the end of the movie, they apparently have at least one more bedroom that they're not using. That's you what know? I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying is that they might just have the entire floor just for themselves. Well, they do because you see that there's like the little the elevator mm-hmm. and the Goes directly foyer. To their front door. Yeah. And he paints the mural in the foyer outside the elevator, and there's only one door, and it's theirs. Yeah. So they do have that entire floor, and like I said, I think it's the penthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, Because when Sylvia leaves the baby, mm-hmm. um, she just leaves it outside the door, and she's not worried that anybody else is going to come by and take the baby. Mm. So, yeah, they they do have that entire floor. Um, And it is a massive floor. Like, they have, like, a greenhouse on the outside. They have a game room. There's at least three bedrooms. And it seems like there might be a fourth bedroom. And fifth. Did you giving both girls their own room? So, you know, I mean, that living room is huge. That living room is like the size of my entire apartment. Yeah. So, yeah. They're not struggling. Yeah, they're they're not. At least two of them are not struggling. Mm-hmm. Ted Danson may be struggling, but the Actor, other two are, are probably making bank. You know, actor in New York, it's not a guaranteed thing, even today. Well, and also, he's not, like, he's doing commercials and B-movies. And, and some stage. And so, at some stage, but it doesn't look like it's g- good stage, like, you barely know. Above, barely above community theater? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's kind of the lowest tier Paid. Off, 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 off Broadway. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, it had been so long since I had seen this movie. Like I think I watched this movie once when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. or or maybe like you know, two or three times in passing when it was on TV, and like somebody else had it on, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, like, I actively sat down and watched this movie once mm-hmm. because everybody was like, oh, this is the big hit movie. This was the biggest movie of 87. Yeah. And so I didn't watch it in 87, I know. But, like, you know, it was one of those, like, this is part of the zeitgeist. And, you know, so I think I rented it later and watched it. Because it was just, I wanted to understand references and stuff. And I don't really think I've, like, actively sat down to watch it since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I did not remember the plot of this movie. I have forgotten part of the plot of this movie because um, we'll get around to it. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole secondary plot of this movie that I forgot existed because I thought most of the plot would be here's these three guys, lifelong bachelors. Uh Oh, there's a kid there. Whose kid is it? That's what I remember the movie being. That is not what this movie is. Yeah, I also kind of remembered it being that. 
And also, I remembered, like, three men and a baby. I remembered the three men being around for most of the movie. I had forgotten that Ted Danson just, like, swans off for most of the movie. Yeah, the the entire first third of the movie, he's not in it because his character is filming a movie in Turkey. So the movie starts proper with this birthday party for Peter, Tom Selleck's character. His, as uh, as Steve Gutenberg's character says, his late 30s, early 40s party, he's not saying. So this is party for him. It's his birthday. All of his friends, clients, lots of women there. And during the course of the party, um, Jack, Ted Danson's character, meets up with his friend who was his director on all of his commercials. Saying, hey, I need to go. I'm going out of town for a few days. I ha- I'm not going to be able to answer my mail. Do you mind if I get my mail directed to your apartment? Because I have a special package that needs to be delivered. Can you take care of it? Says, well, I'm going out of town to film a movie. I'll tell my roommates to look out for this package. Cool, 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 cool. And that is how this thing starts. And again, like I said, we uh, Steve Gutenberg's character meets a meets a woman. He ends up playing therapist, and her and her boyfriend get back together. The third the third thing here is we have Tom Selleck's Tom Selleck's character Peter, and his long term girlfriend. And they are in an open relationship. This does play into the movie. As they are in a an agreement of their open relationship. He's flirting with other women. She's flirting with other men. But the main focus of that opening scene is Ted Danson and his director friend having this conversation of the special package. So Ted Danson's leaving the next day to go to Turkey to film this movie. And the next day, they see a baby. There's this little baby in front of their apartment, to which they assume is this package that their director friend needed delivering. And my first thought of the movie goes out the window because there's a note saying that the baby belongs to Ted Danson's character Jack from a woman named Sylvia that I can't do this anymore this is your child please take care of her I can't do I can't take care of a child by myself so now you have these two guys two men and a baby the the actual birth father is out of the country. They don't know who this Sylvia woman is. They don't know how to take care of a child. And that is the that is the most that is the source of the comedy for the first third of the movie. Okay, I wanna I wanna stop you right there. Mm-hmm. When you say the source of the comedy, I'm gonna have to quibble. Mm-hmm. Because this movie bills itself as a comedy, and yet I did not laugh a single time watching this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, this, I would definitely say, that's why I say that this movie is product of its time, is that you had to be an adult in the 80s watching these movies and knowing who these actors are and laughing at their predicament. Coming back now, in 2024 a lot of this movie is as they say cringe because they're i mean if this movie were to happen today a a few youtube video looks to figure out what's wrong with the babies would have saved half this movie from happening i mean the the funny part is you know here's here's tom Selleck in the baby section of a supermarket trying to figure out which baby food to buy, which pampers to buy, and having this conversation with one of the with one of the sales people, what do babies like? What what is the best thing for this baby? Meanwhile, Steve Gutenberg is trying to entertain an infant and failing miserably. 
I'm just going to say, um, do you want to see a baby scream for two hours? If so, this is the movie for you. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of baby screaming, but again, that's kind of the comedy of, oh, oh, these two men, they don't know how to take care of the baby. Hurty, hurty, hurt. So, yeah, if, if babies screaming are a trigger for you, this is not the movie you want to watch. Yeah, and, uh, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> this was a super fun movie for me. Yeah, and yeah, this is, the thing is, you say two hours, this is only a 90-minute movie, but two hours of baby crying actually makes sense. Yeah, it it felt more like six hours of of baby crying, I'm just going to say. And like I said, there's that scene where, like I said, I mentioned that Tom Selleck and his girlfriend have an open relationship. He calls her over to help take care of the baby, but she's on a date with a, a member of the symphony, and they're going to go out. And at first he thinks, hey, we have an agreement. We can see other people in our relationship if we want to. And Tom Selleck says, I, I don't care if you're dating the entire symphony orchestra. I, I kind of need someone to help me take care of this kid tonight. And she's like, I, I would love to, but I'm sorry, I have to go. She doesn't even say I would love to. She's just like, nope, not my problem. Which, good for her. Like, this is the first time she's made, she's known about this kid. And the fact that it's, you know, Ted Danson's kid in the movie, the, and she says, you know, good luck with his kid. But it's like, I did not sign up for this. I did not know this kid existed before you told me to come over. I have plans. We agreed on seeing other people. I'm going to do my thing. Uh, bye. Also, she points out how sexist it is. Because yes. she's like, she's like, why are you asking me? And he's like, because you're a woman. And she's like, it doesn't mean I know crap about kids. Which, you know, good for her, because accurate. Mm -hmm. He just assumes that she's going to know all stuff about kids because, you know, woman. Yeah. And she rightfully points out, like, not necessarily... I've never had a kid. And she comes off as someone who probably doesn't want kids, which, again, it's 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 fair to her that to have her boyfriend thrust his kid upon her. Well, she does ask him later in the movie if he's ever planning on having any other kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she she might be up for it. Saying anything else is going into the sequel, and I'm going to avoid that conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, so, yeah. And then, but to get back to the original point, we actually find out what the package is. And it turns out that Ted Danson's director friend is a drug hustler on the side. As the package is full of heroin. And the package is supposed to be delivered to these two guys, and they want the drugs. And the two guys, confused of what the package is, think the package is the baby. That's also part of the comedy. But, yeah. Again, comedy in giant air quotes. Mm-hmm. But now... The fed, the cops are on their tail because the cops have been tracking these two guys for drug smuggling. They know that the director that one of the three guys is associated with is a drug smuggler. So now the cops are kind of camped out in front of their apartment, following them wherever they go. 
in attempts to find out which one of them is knowing this so this uh this drug smuggler the yeah like i said i forgot the whole drug smuggler subplot of this movie i just thought it was just going to be the three guys taking care of the baby that's how long it's been since they've seen this movie yeah same i had totally forgot about the drug thing I was like, what the hell is this? This is not what I remember. Yeah, and we don't see Ted dancing come back until the midpoint of the movie. So he's back from filming his movie. They say, here's your kid. Who the hell is Sylvia? And then he says, hey, I did this production of Taming Under Shrew when I was in Cambridge. She was the shrew. She's the baby mama. Uh, 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 oh, crap. And then the two, and then Gutenberg and Selleck kind of have their revenge, saying, your kid, your problem. We're going to go do our own thing. We put our lives on hold throughout this entire time you were gone to take care of your kid, and now you're going to take responsibility for your kid. Which is fair to them. Because, again, they, they're right. They put their lives on hold for this kid because th- that's their friend. But it's time for their friend to step up. But also, like, the second that they can't get a hold of him on the phone, they're like, yeah, yeah the two of them, Yeah, the two of them go out on a date, and then they try to check in on Ted dancing with the baby. He's not answering the phone because he's, th- he's giving the baby a bath. And then they freak out. Oh crap, he's dead. Oh crap, the baby. We gotta, we gotta go and see what's wrong with the baby. Cause yeah, by by this point in the movie, the 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 two guys have fallen in love with this little baby, and they worried about her and they want to take care of her and yeah. The big twist comes. Uh, I want to say with about forty minutes left in the movie. With uh, they get a newspaper clipping sent to them in the mail of the director friend. They don't say it, but I'm pretty sure this guy's dead. Well, he's he's beaten up in the hospital. I don't think he's dead. He's just really bad off. Yeah. I would I would have preferred if they had killed the guy, but who knows? But they pretty much say, hey. Don't let this happen to you. We have our, where's our drugs? It's, again, this is something that you would probably only see in an 80s movie where the three guys set up this sting operation where they set up, okay, we're going to give you the drugs. And then one of the other guys records the conversation while, while Tom Selleck is calling the cops and they set up this whole sting, sting operation to get the true drug dealers and get the drugs and get everything going. And and I know you think I'm speeding through this, but I'm really not. Cutting the fat of the movie, That this is really the movie. And I say this because, and I hate saying it like this, but this movie has four acts because at the end of the third act of this movie where you think oh they've gotten rid of the drug dealers and they're going to live with these three guys taking care of this baby they have a very end of the movie style um montage montage where they're playing frisbee with the baby they use the baby as a way to get women because you see them getting phone numbers from women with the baby and you would think that this is how the movie ends. But no, we have half an hour of movie left. Like in any other situation, in any other movie, this would be the ending. With them, with the baby, with women around them, and, you know, happy ending, three dads with the kid, yay. But no, we then get a fourth act where... Mama Sylvia has entered the room, the back into their lives. Sylvia, played by Nancy Travis, enters in the fourth act of this movie, saying, 
I want my daughter back. And I'm going to move to England with my daughter because I'm going to raise my child with my family because I can't do it by myself and I don't want to be without my daughter. But I also don't want to quit acting. Yeah. Um, Nancy Travis is an American actress, so I don't know why they didn't get an English actress to do this role since she's supposed to be English. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, as much as we, we talk about the fact that, you know, British actors keep stealing American parts, mm-hmm. may, maybe it's okay that it reverses at one point. Maybe. But, yeah, she doesn't show up in the movie for very long. Like I said, she's only in it for the last. 20 or so minutes of the movie. She just pops back in saying, hey, I want my kid back. I'm moving to England. I'm going to be with my family. Which, again, is her right as the baby's mother. Again, I'm I'm cutting a lot of the movie out, but there's not there's not a lot of substance. A lot of the movie is just no offense. I forgot so much about this movie, probably because there's a lot of the movie where nothing happens. It's supposed to be a comedy, mm-hmm. and th- the idea of comedy is, hey, do you want to see a bunch of poop jokes about a baby? And yeah. no, I don't. I mean, maybe it's just me, but mm-hmm. no, I, I don't, me personally. If you do, I guess the more power to you, but most of this movie is... Oh, the baby made a doodle. And yes, that's what they they say. Which, uh, can we not? Yeah, like I said, they, they, the, she takes the baby away. She goes to the airport and we have this big, long scene of the three guys with the baby's toys that were left over and... And and they all have this very sad look and they're, you know, tears in their eyes because they have fallen in love with this baby and they don't want to let her go. And but they come to the realization they can't live without this girl now that she's been in their lives and they want to try to convince Sylvia to keep to stay and they can all raise the baby together. And. Coming back to this movie again after so long. Man, I had forgotten that you used to just go into an airport without a ticket. Like, they just used to let you go through security. You didn't even need to ticket. You can just go through security up to the gates. Like, that was actually a thing. Yeah. I... You can't do that today, obviously, without buying a ticket, but yeah... It just, it feels so weird. Yeah. But the entry get there, they they realize they're too late. They missed the plane. But by the time they get back to their apartment, Sylvia is there with the baby saying she couldn't go through with it. She couldn't leave. She loves New York so much. She wants to stay as an actor, but she can't do this alone. Which the three understand, and they come to their agreement that the four of them with the baby are going to live together. They're going to raise this kid together. They're going to be a family. It's a nice little warming moment where they say, hey, we'll build you a room. We'll build the baby a room. We're going to be a family together. And and yay, Steve Gutenberg updates the mural to have Sylvia and the baby on it. Yay. I thought there was more substance to this movie than there is. I thought it was a comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be. You have three actors who can do comedy. Steve Gutenberg was like the comedy guy. Cheers is a sitcom. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, the most memorable scene in the movie is the three of them singing Goodnight, Sweetheart to the Baby. Yeah, and that was the only thing I remembered. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel bad that, that we're kind of dogging on this, but it's like, I I 
really wanted to to, to go back to this, and it's like uh, for. In 1987, this was like the peak movie. This is, I would put this on a list of of, of top 80s comedies, but it's also product of its time. It has not aged very well. And as you say, unless you're really into babies crying for an extended period of time, you are not going to like this movie. Yeah. Especially since baby crying is like part of the comedy in the movie. Also, it's like a really sexist movie. I, I mean, it just, it's like, oh, men have absolutely no idea what to do with a baby. And like, that's incredibly sexist. I know plenty of good fathers who are excellent with babies. Yeah, but I think the point is that these are three guys who never intended to have children, lifelong bachelors, and that's part of the comedy. But if these were three men who have some maternal instincts, who wanted to be fathers, if there was a scene where one of the guys say, hey, I always wanted to be a dad, it just never happened, that would have helped, but we don't have that but you're right the movie plays all three guys as completely incompetent on how to take care of a child and like you said the the sexism of asking of uh, tom Selleck asking his girlfriend hey can you take care of a baby you're a woman you're supposed to know these things i really remember this movie being better than this but I think it's because I watched it as a kid, which I probably should not have. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just because my brain kind of erased all the stuff. Yeah, like I said, there's entire chunks of this movie I don't remember. Like, I don't remember Ted Danson being gone for, like, two-thirds of this movie. Or two-fourths of this movie. I completely forgot the drug subplot. And then when the drug subplot ended, I thought that was the end of the movie. No, we have an entire 30, 20, 30 minutes left where we now have to introduce the girl's mother. Which, honestly, I feel like that they could have done without that. Yeah, kind of. Like, it feels tacked on. Like, somebody said we need to have the the reveal of the mother and why she did it. Otherwise it makes the mother look bad. But did we have to? The thing is, is the mother kind of still looks bad. Even so. I mean, she gave up her child. If it's a situation where this is your child, you take care of it. And she's just there. That would have been a little bit better, but she just drops this baby off with no, again, with, no diapers, no formula, no nothing, just a baby with no supplies, no nothing. Here, take care of the baby. That makes the mother look bad already. Yeah. And then she comes back out of the blue saying, hey, I'm taking my kid back. Doesn't make her look good, period. Like if I don't know. I mean, I, imagine if they had like decided they couldn't take care of the baby and just you know took it to like child protective services and been like the mother of Anne and the child oh that would have been a completely different movie but but i mean they would have been within their rights to do so because she did abandon the child the father was out of the country you know mm-hmm. and the mother just left a baby on a doorstep Like, she didn't even stay to make sure, like, the father was there, that that was still his residence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they would have been completely within their rights to call Child Protective Services and be like, hey, this mother abandoned the baby. We don't even know if she claimed him as the father on the birth certificate. Mm. And, I mean, 87, I'm not even sure if we really had good paternity tests at that time. 
So, you know, maybe, but it's it would have been a little bit more difficult for her to prove paternity. Mm-hmm. So, like, they could have gotten her in serious, serious trouble. But you're right, that's a that's a totally different movie, but the mother does not come off good here, you know? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to be like, hey, this is your child and you need to take some responsibility for it, which I'm I'm all for, but you need to you need to give him some heads up if you wanna claim that. Like he could have called her. I mean, obviously he knows where he let where he lives, so it's possible he knows the phone number. So he could have said, "Hey, it's it's Jack there. I'm I'm Sylvia. I'm an old girlfriend of his. Oh, sorry, Jack's in, out of the country. He's filming a movie. Can I take a message? Kind of deal. Again, this is '87. Cell phones were not really a thing, and phone books were. So you know. Yeah. But I mean. It's fine for her to want it to want him to take uh, responsibility for his child, mm-hmm. but you've got to, you know, inform him that he has a child. Mm-hmm. And he's just as shocked as the other two guys when he finds out. Oh, hey, Jack, allow me to introduce you to your daughter, Mary. Daughter, I don't have a daughter. I'm not even sure this kid's mine. I mean, I we had been talking about doing this movie for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And both of us wanted to go back to it and look into it. And I got to say, it's it's sad that it was such a disappointment. Yeah. Like, there are parts of this movie that are still good. But again, it's really going to depend on... Whether you find poop jokes funny, whether you find incompetent man funny, whether you are bothered by crying children. Like I said, this movie is definitely product of its time. It works as an 80s comedy, but you had to be there. And the thing is, I could say that about 90% of 80s comedies. There are the very small percentage of 80s comedies that have stood the test of time without a lot of explaining the jokes or explaining anything about the movie because it's just so of its time well the movie like i said this movie was the highest grossing movie of 1987 so of course it got a sequel 1990s three men and a little lady um it's not good. Uh, I saw three. I that I do remember. I saw three men and a little lady when it came out. It is not good. 2010. There was a there was plans for a third film called Three Men and a Bride, which likely would have had little Mary as an adult getting married. Uh, father of the bride with three fathers. I don't think would have been good. Yeah, probably not. But also remember that. I think the reason you got confused over the plot of this film is that they kind of did this better in Mamma Mia. Yeah. And I think that's what you were getting confused by. I was going to say the TV show My Two Dads, which also kind of has that same premise, but with a teenage girl and not a baby. Uh, There was plans for a reboot. Um... Back in 2020 with Zac Efron in the movie. But uh, as of now, 2024, there's no there's been nothing about the about this about the remake. And I don't know if you could do this and make it a good movie. Yeah, I would I would hope not. I understand that Disney has their their need to remake all of their classic movies, all of their hit movies. And. You know, I get that, but maybe put three men and a baby away. We don't need a remake. We don't need another sequel. Leave it back in the 80s. 
I I agree. Yeah, sorry we didn't have a lot more to say about it. I really thought I would have more to say about it, but no, no, it, it it's just not. It hasn't stood the test of time. It, but you know, it's like, I mean, does it have the magic? No, 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 no. And I feel bad saying that because again, this was a movie we both wanted to do for a while. And I just remember this movie being so much better, but I think it's just because I was, it was this of this time. It was an 80s comedy that has not aged well. So, yeah, if, if this is one it of your happens. favorites. It happens. It, I mean, it, it happens. Not every movie stands the test of time. So, yeah, Three Men and a Baby does not have the magic, unfortunately. So uh, let's move on to next week. Another classic Disney movie. Uh, the Computer War Tennis Shoes. Was was this Kurt Russell's first movie? I don't know. I don't know if it was his first movie ever, but it was his first movie for Disney. So we are going back to Kurt Russell's beginning with Disney, which continues to this day. Yeah. We will see how it all started. So we're going, we'll go back to the 60s to the computer war tennis shoes and come back for that. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter at rewatch the magic and new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com remember magic is for everyone it only stops if you let it podcasts are fun but there's work to be done we encourage you to get involved here are some organizations we support the american civil liberties union fights for the constitutional rights of all americans Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.